It's book release day. Oh my it's, gosh. It's not actually, but we're going to release this on the day my book comes out. I mean, out. it's in two days. Right, yeah. So, so, from when we're recording. Yeah. Tight turnaround, tight turnaround. That's what yeah. we do on this podcast. <laughs> right. When you are in the mood for talking about Adventures in Odyssey. When the mood strikes. Got to jump on it. <laughs> you take advantage. <laughs> Oops, I don't know. What am I saying? Um, happy book release day, Crispin. I'm so proud of you. He, you guys, he wrote a book called Attached to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I almost called it Attached to the Invisible because that was like your working title for so long and it's such a good title. Uh-huh. I know. Because it's like a good nod to uh, Reaching for the Invisible by Philip Yancey. I don't know oh. if that's why you... Yeah. And but... I, love, I love Philip Yancey. He's like a deconstruction king, really. Right. Yeah. I know. I was thinking about how he really like... There's certain people that sort of paved the way or like gave us like permission. Permission. Exactly. Yeah. We love we love Philippines in this household. Um, okay, what's the subtitle? Tell us the subtitle of your book. The a spiritual uh Oh wow, you don't know your subtitle. <laughs> I don't know my own subtitles right. either, so that's fine. But I was I, like, Chris, I, tell I the people. I feel like I, I feel like the um the subtitle is for like marketing if someone right, looks so it up. That's why you have to say it now so True. people know what your book is about. It's a guide to deeper spiritual experience a practical guide to deeper spiritual experience no that's not what your book is <laughs> that literally is oh that's not what it is right i know <laughs> that's why i'm like i i appreciate my marketing team they like, chose the subtitle yeah i mean it's like seo keyword blah 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 right here's the deal I don't think you're a deeply practical person. I'm just going to say that as your wife. And you're really not a person who's interested in like guidebooks either. Right. Yeah. I mean, I told you like, oh yeah, my book is a self-help book and you were shocked. I was shocked, you guys. So on Tuesday, Crispin and I are going to go to Barnes and Noble and we're going to try and find his book. And he's mm -hmm. like, I think it's going to be in self-help. I no, think it's going to be in Christian. It'll be in Christian living. Because will it be? Will yours be there? Will we be book buddies? I don't know if my books will be in store. Now, obviously, not my first book, so let me go home. But right. maybe the Myth of the American Dream, but probably not. So it would be cool. Maybe Powell's would have both of our books, mm -hmm. and we'll have to do that. And we're like married in a bookstore too, mm -hmm. and on the shelves. But I think you know, if I could subtitle your book, can I just yes, try? I, can I just try. It? Okay, mm -hmm. so I would title your book "Attached to the Invisible." If you feel sad because you feel close from God, you're you not alone. Yeah, yeah, if you feel sad because you're far from God, you're not alone. And that was all on purpose because white evangelicalism is designed to set you up to have insecure attachment to God. I love it. Is that a great yeah, subtitle? right. And I feel like, though, that Zondervan might... Um, I think they would have multiple issues with it, not just the word count, but, you know. You know... <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I feel bad, but I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not like opposed to the title necessarily, but I'm not going to go around flaunting like, I wrote a guide to well, deeper hope, spiritual experience. I hope everyone listening knows that authors do not get to choose their subtitles or even their titles sometimes or their book covers. Your book cover is pretty. Mm -hmm. So you really got a good book cover. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And can I just say one more thing about your mm -hmm. book? So Crispin is obviously the nicest, coolest, cutest boy in the world. And we all know this about him if you're listening to this podcast. He's just a dream in so many ways. Um, people tend to think that you are pretty chill. Uh -huh. And the thing is, is you're actually not that chill. 
and you're like coming for the throat of white evangelical theology. Um, so that's just true. There. I'm just gonna put that out there. <laughs> you know, I just love subversive people. I, I, you have a very stubborn subversive streak within you, and people can read your book at several levels, right? They can mm-hmm. read it just for what it is. They want to understand their attachment style with other people, but also with God. Um, but I think if you dig into like your sources that you're using, the footnotes, the people you're quoting, it's a great, it's a great book for people who are in whatever phase of deconstruction, honestly, Mm -hmm. no matter where you are, you can find something. So this is me. I hate, (laughs) I can't sell my own books, but I could sell yours, man. Cause like who wouldn't benefit from thinking like, how, how do I feel about my relationship to the divine creator? Mm -hmm. Like, but for those of us who grew up in white evangelicalism, like we don't want to do that. We spent so much of our time trying to do that. Anyways, that's a great segue into what we're talking about today. <laughs> right. Yes. Right? Right. <laughs> <Going? Well, laughs> Sorry, I just talked about your book. Do you I, want to talk I, about no, your book? I, 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 no, that's great. I was okay. going to say Brandy Miller, who does the Reclaiming My Theology podcast. She's amazing. She, uh, We were talking recently, and she said that I threw a lot of shade in the kindest way. Oh, can we stick that on your book cover? Yeah, she Throw in shade in the kindest way. <laughs> that's how Enneagram nines do. Yeah, that's how Christmas do. Today is a day of celebration and also of a little bit of grief. You don't even know what I'm talking about, but we're about mm-hmm. to talk about Adventures in Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And Will Ryan, who played the voice of Eugene, who's mm-hmm. a constant character on the show, has passed since we last recorded an episode. I know. About Adventures in Odyssey. Yeah, the, so the show's gone through many Whitakers, Mr. Whitakers, mm-hmm. but there's only been one Eugene. Yeah. And I don't know what they're going to do. I feel like, I think they put out a press release saying that he recorded a bunch. Mm-hmm. So they're like set to go for a while with Eugene. But also, do you think Eugene is like, a neurodivergent icon. So, okay. So two, two things. First of all, let's explain, uh, just for anyone that's like, I stumbled upon this. I don't know what adventures in Odyssey is. Okay. Sorry. You know, you explained it. Sorry for the people that have been listening all along, but, um, they, uh, adventures in Odyssey is a kids radio program by folks on the family. It's been running for over 30 years since like 1987 or 86. Okay. So like, like 35 years. Um, and basically, it's about this small town called Odyssey, and um, of course, there's lots of like biblical and theological and political lessons. Wow, you got really loud when you said political. <laughs> Which is why we've been talking about it, because right after a certain president was elected, we were like, we need to talk about evangelical media and the stuff we were raised on. So it's yeah. this radio show that's been running for 30 years, and Eugene Melsner is one of the first characters on the show. He was a voice actor for it since 1987. Yeah, and Eugene was like the nerdy science atheist mm-hmm. guy. Um, right, and we haven't also haven't really talked about Adventures in Odyssey since we've learned a lot about neurodivergence. But yeah, he seems very he's very coded as autistic to me, which I love. If you get a chance to look up Will Ryan, he was in a million things. He uh, played the voice of Eeyore. He played the voice of Pooh in some things, in Disney things. But here's the thing. What? He voiced one of the characters on the Roger Rabbit ride in Disneyland. Okay. So I One just, of the weasels? Yes, one of the weasels. I don't know. I don't think I've ever been on the Roger Rabbit ride. I just thought you would be excited because you love Disneyland. Do I? 
Okay. So we're having I watched, one. I watched a documentary, <laughs> a two-hour documentary about the lines at Disneyland at Disney World, and now I hate it. Okay. So I was all prepared with this, like, hey, Eugene like no. voiced a ride at no. Disney, and you're like, nope. And no. I'm like, what happened between... It's the, it's the documentary called Fast Pass by the YouTube channel Defunct Land. It's two hours about the science of queuing and how Disney just all they care about is money. So I'm a little, I'm like way over it. But off, that's fine. Off the Disney train I'm right off now. Off the Disney train. Okay. Are but you yeah. surprised? <laughs> I try to keep up. <laughs> so. Anyways, I'm so cool. That's so cool. He's the fucking Roger Rabbit. That is so cool. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that, Crispin. It's good research. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> 2013 yeah this uh-huh. came out in 2013 originally so it's you know it's one definitely one of the newer ones um and i think you should go ahead and do a 30 second recap okay so this episode is about a young girl who is mark evan jackson's daughter i don't know any of the names okay and she just became a christian i guess and so she's really into being a christian and doing things like making bracelets that say jesus no they don't say jesus they say jesus do you see the exclamation point jesus and having bible studies at her home and praying all the time uh but then a few bad things happen and then she's like oh my gosh i'm not a good christian the other like the side b story or the plot B story is Eugene and his wife Katrina are trying to like find more romance in their life with each other, um, which does not involve like anything sexual. It's just about talking to each other more. Staying up till three in the morning. Talking, talking. about grass. Um, so like a literal grass, not like uh-huh. the other kind of grass. This is the story about Jerry Hammond's ironic allergy to grass. Why was it ironic? Because he went on to become the lawnmower king of Tuscaloosa. And so, yeah, that's like what this episode was about. Uh-huh. I think I have a few ideas about why you picked it out. It's a very classic odyssey, right? Just like a few characters and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how old do you think the... Camilla is the girl. How old do you think Camilla is supposed to be in this? I would guess middle school is my okay. best guess. So it's about like, a, I would say maybe like fifth grader, sixth grader, um, you know, kind of around the age of our daughter who just became a Christian, even though she grows up in the most Christian town in America <laughs> with very Christian parents. So I don't know what's going on there. Hey, she she needed a real experience for herself. And that real experience was a virtual experience in, in the, the imagination, imagination station. station. Which is like a weird machine Mr. Whitaker created because he's like a genius, I guess. And he's invented time travel. <laughs> and ki- he puts kids in this weird machine. And then they have all these really intense experiences that lead them to a conversion experience. So not weird at all. Right. Like, not I mean, weird is it that, like, think about, like, the, like, revivalist preachers or kid, people that went to youth groups. Like, mm-hmm. isn't that their dream of, like, a tool where you could, like, put kids... In a virtual reality machine. Uh-huh. In the Facebook metaverse, but it's only Bible stories. Right. Or... Heaven or hell. Or stories of the American Revolution. Yes. Um, that's literally all the Imagination Station is programmed to do. But the Imagination Station, it converted Eugene... Because remember, he mm-hmm. thought he was going to go. He's he experienced going to hell because he didn't believe in God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then something must have happened to Camilla, and she's a Christian now, and she's just like super duper Christian. And I don't know. So, so tell me why you picked this episode? Because uh, I really like the the part about feelings. I th- I think it really like in 
our evangelical upbringing, there was a lot of focus on feelings in a certain way. Like what exactly is belief? We should be excited about Jesus. She's obviously excited about Jesus. She makes bracelets with Jesus with a exclamation point. Yeah. So she's give this girl is giving out bracelets that say Jesus exclamation point to anybody she can. And she's mm-hmm. just so excited. And Mr. Whitaker and Connie are like, that's so cute. That's so great. Yeah. And so I really, I like thinking about that because I think a lot of us had that experience of like feeling really excited or feeling like we should be excited. Um, and I think there's a lot there to even think about like what, like why should we be excited? I think was one of the questions. And I reflected on, I, I, I reflected on my own experience of like, I really did want to proclaim the kingdom but I also feel like looking back and I was like, I didn't even know what the good news was back well, then, well, you know? I Camilla knows. No, exactly. So, she just so, knows Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then, like, her dad's watching football and her dad Which, is, Yeah, okay, you really want to talk about this. Do it. I'm You're so excited about this. Uh, I actually pulled up my favorite. Uh, so, the dad in this is Mark Evan Jackson, who you may know from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, from The Good Place, uh, from Parks and Rec. He's been a character actor on those, prominent actor in some of those. Um, In fact, I'm going to put my favorite quote in right now. I mean, you know, you corkscrew your first eyeball and you're like, man, I can't believe they're paying me to do this. Hmm. By the trillionth, it's like, I should have just been a teacher. That's from The Good Place. Okay. (laughs) About corkscrewing eyeballs. Oh, Yeah, he he plays Sean, the demon, in The Good Place, and Uh then um, he's a very Christian man. So I think, what's their name? Not the Barclays. Is it the Barclays? No, the the Barclays is classic. Uh, What is their, I I don't know. They're like the prototypical Christian family in Odyssey in this era of Adventures in Odyssey episodes, Mm -hmm. right? Right, yeah, exactly. She reminds me of me when I was a young Christian. I took out an ad in the paper telling everyone how great God is. (laughs) I think it was something like, God. You gotta love them. <laughs> and so that's why I'm so confused. I'm like, they're all Christian. How, what is the conversion experience? And I also think, like, Focus on the Family made these radio programs about a sheltered Christian town called Odyssey for sheltered Christian kids. Like, if you grew up listening to this, mm-hmm. newsflash, you were sheltered. Like, I, I don't know what else to say <laughs> right. to you. Like, uh-huh. your parents imposed severe limitations on what media you could or could not consume. And so this was like a safe bet. And so I'm like... If I was a kid listening to this, I'd be like, man, like I didn't have a conversion experience, right? I was just mm-hmm. Christian from day one because right. that's what you were. Mm-hmm. I was baptized when I was six. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, this is just the culture, you know, that you're born into. And how could you, I, I don't know. It's just right. wild. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, there, but I think that's. Oh, and, the, and the title of the episode is called More Than a Feeling. More Than a Feeling. There we go. That's what I was hoping for. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, so that's the thing is like, that's kind of what it is, is like, she, like, she's growing up in this faith community, she's sort of, like, in a lot of ways, maybe already a Christian, but it's like, I had this feeling of believing that Jesus died for my sins. And that was the turning point. And I don't know, that's kind of like getting into the weeds, but like... No, that's what it says in the the thing. It's like, I had all this joy when I believed that Jesus died for my sins. Then a series of things happened, you know, like nobody comes to a Bible study. Which, by the way, Connie and Witt were like, well, you should have someone leading that Bible study. They were like very poo-pooing her having a Bible study, which is annoying. Then... 
you know, she was going to put Bible verses on her cleats to play soccer so that all of her teammates could know about the Bible. And it's funny because she saw it like from a football player, I'm assuming. Uh huh. And, but then the game gets canceled because it was raining. And then she falls asleep while praying on her knees and she feels so guilty about it. And I'm like, you guys, this this child is experiencing like religious scrupulosity. Like mm-hmm. she has some obsessive compulsive behaviors and feels a ton of shame and is very worried and is very anxious. So like mm-hmm. the show's counting it as like joy. All this is coming from joy. And then like at the end you're like, Oh no, she feels sad because she doesn't feel joy anymore. And then people are like, well, yeah, that's kind of a problem. You shouldn't just focus on your feelings. I'm like, nobody's taking care of her mental health. Mm-hmm. That's right. how I felt. About yeah, it. Totally. Yeah, which, by the way, we did pass over. So speaking of watching sports, we do see this scene where uh, her dad, Mark Evan Jackson, is supposed to be cheering. Okay. But it's the most awkward go, go, go. Okay, let's put it in here. Sound. It's a tackle go. and he gets past Lowell. Go. 50, 45, go. 40, 35, go. 31, go. go. Touchdown. Yes. Woo. Dad, you're scared. Right. And then she thinks that's sort of like what it means to be a Christian is to cheer for Jesus. Like we're cheering for a football team. We're cheering for Jesus. Um, it's it's fascinating. Like what does Odyssey want from kids who are Christians? What do they want? They want you to make Jesus bracelets and pass them out to everybody and always be happy and always have joy. Uh-huh. And then when you don't feel joy, like – just suck it up, Buttercup, because feelings aren't that important. So I'm like, Mr. Whitaker's telling Connie, like, she needs to be happier. Right, yeah. But he literally also, says, like, you, sh- you should be more happy. Like, please, stop being a Debbie Downer. And, you know, but also feelings don't matter. And I think what it means is, like, sad feelings don't matter. Anxious feelings don't matter. Like, joy does matter, and you must have that. So it's like, way to go, mixed messages, people. Mm-hmm. You did it. You did it. Yeah. Right. And I think that's like it that is that piece of like built like he's even saying like it's not about feeling, it's like believing, but like believing in this instance is still like a feeling of like he's checking with her to say, like, well, do you still believe that Jesus died for your sins? Right. And like how like can that you matters to an eleven year old? Right, yeah, exactly. Which what I wanted to ask is like, so there is this joy. Mm-hmm. When was a time that you felt joy about the gospel? Well, it's really sad to think about for me because, um, you know, I identify with Camilla a little bit, which is like the joy is not really about like these ideological, you know, intellectual assent to these beliefs. Like, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins, right? Really what she's happy about is I'm in the club, right? I'm in this community. Mm-hmm. Mr. Whitaker's so proud of me. Like, mm-hmm. Connie's so happy for me. Like, my parents are ecstatic, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I know something that's true, and I am on a mission from God to get other people to, you know, be a part of this community. Like, it's belonging, it's identity, and it's like tons and tons of adult affirmation, right? That, right. yes, that you are doing the exact right thing is so that's like how most of mine are and that's why you know youth group can be a haven for people who don't (laughs) find you know community in other places um you know some ways i'm like youth group is like an anime club but we don't read manga (laughs) but your special interest is god yes (laughs) hello to everyone who's listening and you're just now realizing that 
your special interest was God. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Um, it, sounds yeah. like that, it sounds like that's true for Camilla. Right. And I also think, like, maybe this is obvious, but this just occurred to me that I think for so many of us, getting into God was like a way of feeling grown up. Oh, yeah. You know what like I mean? Like a rite of passage, yeah. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I remember, like, that time when you, like, finally graduate to, like, the actual Bible. You know, like, you don't read children's Bibles anymore. Yeah. Like My first Max Lucado Bible, I remember it because that was right. for adults. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, speaking of Philip Yancey, uh-huh. I got the teen, uh, no, maybe it wasn't teen, it was just the study Bible. Ooh. It was, like, the NIV study Bible with the blue waves on it that was edited by Philip Yancey. Not the teen version. No. That is impressive. Right, yeah. And, you know, we should say both of us come from families that were extremely religious and actually, like, finances tied to religion mm-hmm. and Christian right. religion. And so like my, my dad was pastor, your parents were missionaries. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, I just want to throw in here. Like I've been thinking <laughs> lately about like, I was a teenager um, in China. So I was in a missionary community, which meant that like every adult I knew had a level of commitment to their faith where they like packed up their whole family and moved to a foreign country. Yeah. So that was like the norm for me was like, Moving across the world, uh, you know. Then my mom raised me to to be a missionary, to say this is the best way to be a person. And this is the best Mm -hmm. way to honor God is to be prepared to give up everything for God and to spend your entire life evangelizing. So I tried so hard to do that for so long because, Mm -hmm. you know, that was the framework given to me for beloved community. Is it really beloved community if the second you don't believe at all or the second you have some anxiety or the second you're like... I don't actually want to spend the rest of my life proselytizing if all that community goes away, then it's not really freaking beloved community. And that's what mm-hmm. we are all dealing with right now. That is what deconstruction is. Mm-hmm. In my personal opinion, it is us realizing the second we step a toe out of line, it's all gone. Mm-hmm. All that community is gone. Therefore, mm-hmm. it was never really real community. And that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel bad for Camilla, right? The second she doesn't believe it all, like what's Mr. Whitaker? He's just going to be so disappointed. And disappointment mm-hmm. sucks. Disappointment from, you know, parental figures, from religious figures, from, you know, childhood people in our lives that really loved it when we were super in a youth group. Like, it's really hard to get over. Mm-hmm. And I am just coming at this from like an experiential, you know, my special interest is God perspective. <laughs> and also someone who, you know, to be perfectly honest, in I'm in therapy right now. And my therapist is bringing up these ideas of, uh, you know, extremely anxious ways of thinking or being in the world that include some obsessive compulsive, you know, contamination OCD and rumination OCD that is tied to religious stuff. And and I've just never once considered it was like that. Again, I'm sort of like you where it's like everybody, <laughs> everybody thinks like this and mm-hmm. obsesses about this and is really, really worried about if I'm doing enough for God, if I'm doing it right, if I'm happy enough. And so right. honestly, it's like, yeah, this the, is normal. Right. If I don't feel the joy of the Lord, what does that mean yeah, and about so, uh, my and so Odyssey is like kind of normalizing that. I think the point of this episode was like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. What do you think the point of this episode? Yeah, was? it's well, it is saying like don't rely on your feelings, which I think is like a, well, it, if you can still be a Christian, right. right? Yeah, what I what I like, and of course we've like heard that a lot is like yeah, you can't trust your feelings, but what we where we go with that is like you just have to believe the truth, and then you will then you will feel okay. So really, they're still giving this message of like 
Con, uh, Chris at the end talks about Romans eight, where it's like nothing can separate you from the love of God. Oh, and Chris. it's like if you believe that, then you will. You know, the idea is you will feel better, and um, and I uh, really think it's helpful to be like, all right, well, let's explore why do I feel this way, which is what I wrote a book about. So <laughs> what you're saying is. Okay, I'm just going to try and conceptualize this right. What Camilla in this episode is trying to say is, I don't feel the love of God. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what she's saying, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And everybody in her life is like, well, feelings don't matter. Right, yeah, and that I, doesn't matter. And I think you are have been on this quest for many years to be like, I think it's really important you find ways... To feel loved by God. Like, Mm -hmm. you should make that, you know, if you're interested in Christianity, in religion, in faith, your number one priority should be creating a life where you can experience the unconditional love of God. And what's hard and what makes your message um, subversive is that you are saying, like, you are probably not going to get that in church. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you. Right. The yeah. whole system is set up to make you feel pretty shitty about yourself, so you come back to church. Mm-hmm. And am I doing this wrong? No, am no, I right, this yeah, wrong? no, not at all. And I think the other thing piece of this is like that, like that means. So those of us that are like have this anxiety, like myself, we're always going to like cling to the like the little buts, right? Of like God loves you, but right, and you know God loves you, but God wants you to be holy. And within that is this implicit message of like, if you're really going to belong, if you're really going to get God's acceptance, then you have to behave in this way. And if we throw that part out, if we say, yeah, behavior is important because that's how we do life together, but it does not hinge on your, on your acceptance in the community, then religious leaders lose their power. Right. Because they get to say like, who's in and who's out. And religious leaders say they care about community care, but they don't really. Because right. people who have this insecure attachment to God are going to not see their own belovedness and they're not going to see it in other people. And so it, it leads to fractured communities and fractured mm-hmm. neighborhoods. So, you know, I think for me, it's been an interesting journey of like, okay, I, I do obsess over this kind of stuff. But, you know, all of us throughout our life, I think, come up with ways to to figure out how to calm our nervous system down and how to feel love. And it's, it's pretty cliche, right? But there's just, you know, all these scientific studies that even just like looking at nature, looking at greenery, being in our bodies, getting outside of our heads, like um, learning how to calm yourself, learning how to pay attention to what your needs are, learning to pay attention to your emotions, to name them, to sit with them. Like it's also important. And I just see none of that in any of this Christian gobbledygook, right? right that comes yeah. from Adventures in Odyssey. And mm-hmm. we haven't even talked about the second plot line right. of this episode, which is a really another fascinating uh-huh. place. So, so here's two places where Christians are always like, feelings don't matter. Uh-huh. One is if you're having doubts about your faith. Mm-hmm. And the other is... In marriage. Oh, <laughs> feelings don't matter. Right. Stay married forever. Uh-huh. That's what it was kind of about. Right. Tell me, tell me how you felt listening to Eugene and <laughs> Katrina's relationship. Well, I actually thought it was great. Okay. Explain it, explain it for okay. the listeners. Yeah, so so basically what it is is um uh Eugene and Katrina see each other at Wits End and Eugene in this creepy way is like, 
Happy anniversary. Oh, farewell then, and uh, happy anniversary. God, happy anniversary, Eugene. Huh. Well, I shall see you soon. So Katrina's his wife. <laughs> yes, thank okay. you for explaining that part. Um, and so uh, it turns out that it's their, it's their dating anniversary. Yeah. It's not their- Anniversary of their first date. Right, yeah, not their wedding anniversary. Um, and they're just going to have chicken. And Connie, who uh, you know also works at the shop and um, has been watching reality TV about romance- um, Big tells- red flag, Connie. <laughs> Right. So Connie's like, that's not enough. You need to do more. You need to be more romantic. And Connie's basically, I bet you guys do this every night. I bet you eat chicken and then you go to bed at 10 p.m. uh every night. Right. Which I mean, for us. Katrina's like, what's wrong with that? Right. Yeah. But then it it implants the seed of insecurity in her when they go home and do just that. Right. And so. Eat chicken. Right. So then Katrina's on this thing of like, it needs to be more romantic. So they go out to this um, Italian restaurant that now only serves nachos. Don't ask. Um, and then they end up talking. And then they also try to stay up until three in the morning talking mm-hmm. like they used to do. Yeah. Which it's just funny. It was like, we, we need to stay up till three in the morning conversing <laughs> like danielle said no sexual content here i was like the whole time i was like any adult listening to this is like you guys just have sex like <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to hear you talk at three right. in the morning like uh-huh. you know i don't know yeah. that's how i felt listening right. to it but it was really great like what i liked at the end is like they were sort of like well these big romantic gestures don't matter and i think the way that it was written it's funny like the the point of it i did not agree with but i like these characters Mm because i think the point is they were trying to say like feelings don't matter you just like stay married what i heard from them was like we really like each other and we really like there are these ways that we consistently show that to each other and that matters more than like romantic gestures which i think as a couple therapist is totally true like and he does say things about, like, I serve you, like, I make you coffee every morning, which sounds familiar. Oh! <laughs> but I think there's more than that. Like, that security and that, like, connection comes out of the nonverbals. And she does talk about that. Like, when you look at me, like, I feel adored by you. And, you know, so I think that part is really good. And they actually kind of have this clarifying conversation about, like, yeah, we both feel loved in this relationship. And that's what's important. So I liked that part, but I think whether with the kind of the overall theme is like feelings don't matter, just trudge through, which wasn't actually like the feeling I got from them. Right. So that it was a little confusing because I'm like, to me, they're just like a lovely neurodivergent couple that has their routine and really enjoys each other. And, you know, mm-hmm. going to bed at 10. Yes. Every night. That sounds familiar. <laughs> to it does me. not to me. That's really late. <laughs> I know. I was like, imagine staying up till 10 every night. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yeah, I thought their relationship was really beautiful. But it's upsetting to be like, it's all in the framework of feelings don't matter. And I think that's where you and I, you know, are in this interesting place where we grew up right within this framework. And, um, you know, there's just so much stuff about purity culture and all that that in some ways we haven't even had to dissect a ton because, you know, we're in a loving, committed relationship to each other. And it, I think it's, it was helpful for me to be like, yeah, I love Eugene and Katrina, honestly, like in this mm-hmm. episode, but 
the overall framework they have for the world and that they put on other people can be um, really abused and really uh-huh. used to oppress people with less power in the relationship, which, you know, usually tends to be the women. So, right. I mean, what I thought was so important, like they're saying feelings don't matter, but what Katrina says is like, I know you love me. And that, like he said, every time I know you're coming home, like my heart is fluttering. Right. Yeah. It was so cute. Uh-huh, and he just exactly. loves to look at her. Uh-huh. Um, you know, she thinks he's very smart and funny. Like he picks up the food she most likes. Like, um, also sounds familiar. I know. I was like, I'm feeling Eugene on this. <laughs> These are my love languages. And you, and like. Eugene seems like he's kind of obsessed with Katrina, you know, and you're Which, kind of obsessed with me. Exactly. So I, I was, was like, like, is that where you're going with this? Because it's true. <laughs> I'm also obsessed with you. But, yeah, but I think that's the thing. Like, he he feels that fluttering heart and mm-hmm. part, and she's like, by her saying, when she says in this really genuine voice, I know you love me. And I'm sorry if I've taken you for granted. But you haven't. Hmm? I know you love me, Eugene. What she's saying is, I feel loved by you. Then they feel connected. Right. and Which is funny, because the, the writers of this obviously didn't know how to write about married people being connected. Right. But it still came through. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, which is really different than, like... Well, we're married, so we love each other. And And feelings don't matter. Right, But it's funny. You know what it made me think about? So, like, again, I'm sort of learning about my own (laughs) neurodivergence. (laughs) And um, I think we've told this story before, but, like, when we got engaged, like, I was really depressed. Uh And my parents took us out to, like, celebrate the engagement at this fancy dessert restaurant in Portland. And my mom and dad both were like, uh... What's wrong? They took me aside afterwards and were like you don't seem very happy. Like what's going on? And I was like, you guys, marriage is hard work. You know, I'm just like <laughs> mentally preparing myself. Hang on. First of all, I love that you are <laughs> telling your parents about who are, who your dad's a pastor. It's sort of, yeah, was I 22 or 23? It rings when back to when you told your dad he shouldn't read Jurassic Park. Cause there were too many swear words. Yeah, I was like, my parents hate swearing. So I got to tell them not to read Jurassic Park. Cause they're swearing in it. And they always tell me how swearing is bad. So, so anyways, I'm so a, you told them about how I'm an marriage odd, is really I'm hard. I'm an odd duck in that I was freaking paying attention and taking it all very seriously. And all Christian media says marriage is really hard work. Forget your feelings. Commit for life. There's no getting out. <laughs> and so I was like, I took it so seriously that I was like, oh my gosh. Like, mm-hmm. I am signing up for like a lifetime of hard work, I guess. Now, the great thing about taking all that seriously was like when we got married, I was like, this is very fun. <laughs> this is awesome. Like, I was really surprised by how much uh-huh. I love being married. And that continues to be true for me. I think the other thing that came up during that time for you was like, you were 22. You had all these friends, like young evangelical friends who had gotten married. And I think a big piece of that was kind of going along with like those messages we get, which is like, if you fall into this role and you fall into this role, then you'll have a happy marriage. And a lot of people finding out like, that's not the, like you can't like gender, those like rigid gender roles (laughs) will not necessarily produce a happy marriage. I don't think that 
was a part of it, honestly, because I knew I could never fit into those gender roles. And I really knew that you didn't have that expectation of me in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the reason I never dated, the reason I was never interested in anybody is because I was like, I'm on a mission from God and y'all's are not on my level. Like I cannot mess with you, you know? (laughs) And then for some reason, I just really liked you. You smelled really good. And I was like, this guy would come along with me. (laughs) So true. And you did. Uh-huh. Luckily, that's not how our marriage is anymore. Like, you get to do what you want to do, which is really great and really exciting. And um, I've calmed down a bit, which is really nice. <laughs> right? Yes, have yes, I calmed down? yes, you have. Or I just get depressed. Depression helps me calm down, I guess. <laughs> that's one way of calming down. It's one way of. But yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. I I would listen to this Adventures in Odyssey episode and be like, I would take it so seriously, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 not great, right? Yeah. When you take all these messages seriously, mm-hmm. yeah. So, what would you tell little Camilla, as an attachment therapist who's into theology? Mm-hmm. You know, what is your hope for a young child or a teen or you know people our age even now, like who? Wants to feel joy and mm-hmm. maybe has experienced joy in religion and in relationship to the divine. Like, what would you tell them now if they're struggling to mm. find that same feeling? Mm. I mean, I it's funny you ask me, like, what would I say? And I would like when I ask questions about, like, what are you feeling? Oh, you're such a therapist, right? But I would say, like, yeah, whatever you're feeling, there's a reason for it, and understanding that and finding like safe places where you can talk about it, like, you know, friendships and stuff, um, which, you know, don't often exist in those conservative evangelical spaces, right. Where you're trying, like this happens in this episode is like, she tries to say like, I don't feel this way. And instead of like, went and went like meeting her and kind of like exploring, he's just like, well, here's the Bible verse. Feelings don't matter. Yeah. And so that's what I want to tell her is that her feelings do really matter and they matter to God Mm -hmm. and they are there for a reason. So it's not that there's anything wrong with her. And it's just sad. It's sad that feelings are, you know, feelings are seen as like a threatening force to both Christianity and to like marriages. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think you and your book are trying to say like, no. Right, yeah. No. When you try and ignore, dismiss, push down, shove down these feelings, like, they're going to come back, buds. They're going to come back. They could show up in your body. They could show up in anxiety, depression, you know, addictions. Like, there's so much that can happen when we shove down our feelings, especially about, like, God. And Mm -hmm. I think there's even less places to kind of process our feelings about not feeling safe with God mm-hmm. than even relationships. I feel like our culture has some frameworks for talking about this in romantic relationships, but like mm-hmm. very few, right? Outside right. of the church, which you're saying most churches are actually not safe to mm-hmm. process this, mm-hmm. which is why I think deconstruction movements, all that, there's there's plenty I don't like about them. But if you are finding safe ways to explore your feelings with people, and I would say smaller and local is probably better mm-hmm. than like, doing it on Twitter, although there's obviously room for that too. Right. I was going to say that being said, for some people, it's like Twitter was the only place I could find Well, of people. course, but right. I, I still think like there's a difference between main Twitter and like <laughs> starting a DM group, you know, on Twitter. Uh-huh. Like 
Because Twitter's not safe, actually. Sometimes right. I think it is, but it's actually not. So I'm like, you know, there's yes. varying levels of, of all of that. Right. Um, yeah. But utilize it. Mm-hmm. Util- utilize these spaces to find some safe safe places. Yeah. Well, I think couples therapy, as a couples therapist, mm-hmm. <laughs> is a really good analogy. Where it's like, okay, you could just like white knuckle this and pretend and stay together for the kids. Or you could go into therapy and be like, all right, like this is not working and we don't feel connected and we feel mad or we feel hurt, right? And let's talk about this and let's work through it and let's get to a place where we can share these feelings with each other and we can feel connected again. And so that's the thing is like churches don't – well, churches sometimes will – and I'm speaking broadly, but evangelical churches will sort of say like, oh, yeah, there's room for that, but (laughs) – Wow. You have to, you know, come, you have to make sure that you're getting to this this place that I want you to get to. Yeah, it reminded me of this episode when it's like, okay, Camilla, it's fine for you to make bracelets. It's not really fine for you to leave a Bible study on your own. It's uh-huh. sort of fine for you to put Bible verses on your cleats. It's probably fine that you fall asleep praying because you're so anxious about God loving you. It's and not then, fine then for you, you feel to bad feel be- sad. Uh-huh. And I was like, what a tightrope we're walking here. Like, right. I can't figure out, like, what's the appropriate thing uh-huh. to do, you know? And yeah. I'm 37 years old, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a fun, it was an interesting uh, episode to listen to. It was. You picked a good one. You picked a good one. I know you were so excited because I had Mark Evan Jackson in it, and it had Eugene, and it had couples therapy stuff in it. Um, <laughs> and the, just that whole, like, you know, feeling like being a kid and, like, really wanting to evangelize and wanting to do it right. And, you know, like, her staying up and praying and then falling asleep reminds me of, like, my knees being sore from, like, praying, you know, when I was, like, 15, I would, like get the passion worship CD and play it for an hour and like be on my knees trying to feel something. Yeah. I think we shared here before when I was 13, I started a Christian pop punk band to evangelize Northern California and our local paper wrote a story on it. And I said in the paper, you know, Christians can be punks too. And I feel like I'd evangelize all of Auburn, California with that one statement and yeah, we are right. very much Adventures in Odyssey kids. Yeah, I, you mean, know that, what I mean, like I thought about that during the episode because there's that part where Mark Evan Jackson says that he took out an ad in his paper, an evangelistic ad. Yeah, I was like, mean you, mean you both, bud. Exactly. I did not make Jesus bracelets, but you know, we made the wordless book bracelets. Mm-hmm. I had WWJD bracelet. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, Camilla, everybody knows who Jesus is. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make Jesus famous. <laughs> In the most Christian town in America, Odyssey. Um, Okay, so for this month, we're planning for our patron-only episode. We're actually going to do it, y'all. We're actually going to do it. Uh, Take that depression. And I am going to ask Crispin to basically tell me the attachment styles of most of the people in the town of Odyssey. So if you love the Odyssey content. If you want to hear a little bit more about the nitty gritty of what attachment styles are, uh, it'll be a great episode to kind of like, you know, listen in and you can join our Patreon. It's only like $1.50 a month. You can give more if you want, but we're very um, socialists. Right. Danielle's like, what's the least that we can charge people? Yeah. The only reason we want to charge people, well, for one, is we do need a little bit of money to pay for all the, you know, things about making a podcast. Two is like, nobody's going to 
okay to hate listen. And that's very important. And that's basically why I will also say I'm very committed to supporting other people on Patreon and always, you know, having a, a tithe of, of what we may go to um, creators who are talking about theology uh, from, you know, a non-dominant culture places is, is very important to me to support that. So if you support us, we're going to give some of that money away mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, go buy a Christmas book or get it from your library. You know, you can yeah. always request these books from your library mm-hmm. and that really supports authors too. What are some other ways people can support you if they love you? Yeah. Um, well, I would I just say, like, if you're an audiobook person, something that was really cool is that the person who narrated the audiobook mm-hmm. uh, contacted me and was just like, this book really moved me. Oh. Like, I record a lot of books and they guys, don't all land. This does not happen. This does not happen. So, yeah. So that was kind of cool to know, like... If you listen to my audiobook, it is obviously not me reading because there's a bit of a southern accent in there from Mark's. I need to MD, hear this. Um, which is an odd thing, but just know that, like, if you're listening to the audiobook, like, the person that read it loved it, loved it, which is like a just kind of a cool thing to have that little and point it changed of connection. some stuff for them. I just think this is so fascinating. You've gotten extremely good feedback. Um, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if your book blows up real big because, um, there's just so much in there that can help people who are tired of feeling like they have to push their feelings away when it comes to God. And so I'm so excited about your book. Yeah, I'm not going to go into it, but I had a rough interview recently. Some yeah. of you heard about it. And one of the things the interviewer said was, he was like, I circled every time you wrote feel or emotion. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, I am an emotionally He's focused therapy. Christian uses the words feelings a little too much right, for yeah. uh, Christians, which is yeah. fascinating. But yeah, we are glad to just, we're, Danielle's still working on Christian romance season, but we figured why not just go old school for a minute, celebrate uh-huh. um, celebrate this book coming out, which is in part, like it really does come out of this work we've been doing together as well, of just like mm-hmm. studying American evangel- white evangelicalism. And uh, those of you that have been listening for a long time, have just been part of our community along the way in that. So yeah, thank to, you so much. Wanted to celebrate this with y'all. Thanks. I'll catch you soon. 